just need a three, two, one from the both of us to sync up. So on three, a three, two, one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so three, two, one. So welcome to our first mini-sode for the podcast Nobody Asked For. Um, I'm Graham Jones. I'm Ian Harris. And we're going to be discussing horror movies since today is Halloween. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh, exactly. Um, shit. Lots, lots of it. Uh, yeah, so we put out a watch list for the month of October, which was lots of our favourite Halloween movies, Halloween movies, horror movies, to watch in the run-up to Halloween and asked you guys to vote on what your favourites were. We'll get to that. Um, we'll go through the listener the listener favourites um, and quickly just run through each of our top threes from, from that list of 30 films or 31 films even cool. um, because um, um, there's definitely 31 days in October. Yeah, before we before we kind of start going through that as well. Also want to mention, because I've been railroaded all week, oh, well, the last couple of weeks about this, so I think it's worth doing some honourable mentions of films that didn't make the final list. A lot of people bought up Hereditary, so Hereditary wasn't on there because instead of Hereditary, we obviously went for Midsummer, which is by uh, the same director, so Ari Aster, um, and I didn't want to kind of double up on directors. But then we put Get Out and Us on anyway. So, you know, you just can't trust me when it comes to that. We also had The Strangers brought up by a couple of people, which is uh, kind of a gloriously creepy horror film. And then I also got borderline told off for not having Hocus Pocus on a movie list that included the word Halloween. Um, (laughs) And that's before we even start kind of talking about how there wasn't, you know, given our Halloween episode was about kind of slasher villains, I didn't include any slasher films on the list. So I can only apologize. And next October, we'll make sure it is just full of murderers from top to the bottom. But I mean, Hush, Hush is kind of a slasher film. But yeah, I think I think we kind of steered away from a lot of the classic horror movies. Um, the yeah. other thing is, I think there's just so many, and I think both of us probably watch an unhealthy amount of horror movies, so there was a lot to choose from to whittle down to 31. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, obviously, our original watch list was Midsummer 30 times, um, and then <laughs> Mandy. And you know what? To be honest, I stand by that. But <laughs> anyway, so I think we're going for uh, uh, your top three list, right? So out of uh, out of that list, which yep. I'll in- make sure it's all included in kind of episode notes as well. So kind of you guys can decide what your favourites are. But what were your favourites from the top three? Or your favourites from the list? So my top three from the list, um, which is a is a great list, and there's there's so many on there, and I would have chosen at least one of the the kind of the voted for movies but we'll keep those out of our our top threes so the first one for me was creep so 2014's creep mark duplass i think is how you say his name no i'm fairly sure it's that guy from the league 
<laughs> well, and this is one of the reasons I really enjoyed it so much because it's so far out of the wheelhouse of everything I'd seen him in up until this point. It's also something that's really quite different in terms of a horror movie. Obviously, there's a lot of horror movies that are doing similar tropes, whether it be slasher, whether it be ghost kind of story, a haunting kind of story or a zombie movie. Whereas this just felt a little bit different. It's it's kind of like the worst episode of Catfish ever. <laughs> and I found it really, it's genuinely unsettling, I think, from start to finish. Um, and it's the type of film where you're watching it and then you're checking out the window afterwards as well. Make sure Peach Fuzz isn't about. The sequel is really good too, as well. Yeah, I, I yeah. Like you said, Creep was just, for the first at least quarter of an hour, I wasn't sure if I was watching a horror or a comedy or what. And then it just got fucking weird. Yeah, it gets it gets very weird very quickly. But yeah, and, and it really, I really enjoyed the ending, which is, it's messed up, but it's it's a lot of fun. I think you could describe any film on this list with that. I really liked. The, I really liked the ending. It was messed up. I mean, yeah, we have, it's, it's just, kind of a hallmark of the genre, isn't it? Yeah, just from a just from a cursory look through kind of the list, um, without going into details of what I'm talking about. But that film ends with uh, a guy having a red hot whiskey flask inserted into his stomach. That one ends with someone being skinned alive. That one ends with um, the most fake blood ever shown on screen. <laughs> And that one ends with a load of people randomly exploding. So, you know, it's a good list. Great list. But yeah, as I say, Creep Creep was definitely on there for me. The next one up is up, Us. Up isn't a horror movie. <laughs> up, up is very sad, but it's not a not a horror movie. Uh, Sorry, Us. So you're talking about Us. Yeah, not me and you, but the film. So Jordan Peele's uh, follow-up to Get Out. Get Out is very close to be on the list, on my list as well. But I... Yeah, us just pips it for me. I think Jordan Peele is is quickly becoming a, a bit of a master of modern horror. It's a really unique story, and I think, I mean, I, we we saw this together in the cinema, and it really went from what it was advertised as into something completely different very quickly. With, yeah, within within the first twenty five minutes, it was no longer a film I thought we were watching. Yeah, the, the trailers did an incredible job of hiding the film you were actually seeing. Yeah, absolutely, and the kind of the film that you thought you were seeing played out in the first half hour or so, and then yeah, just went on from there. But I think it was still it was still really entertaining. I'm convinced that that Hall of Mirrors skit that Key and Peele did with the serial killer definitely <laughs> had some bearing on the the start of that movie. And then um, yeah, I just. One of the things I really like, Jordan Peele, I think, is similar to Tarantino in the sense that he just really, really loves cinema. But I think Jordan Peele just really, really, really loves horror cinema. And there's so many little Easter eggs dropped into to um, into us. There's so much symmetry in the movie, which obviously goes along with the, the kind of doppelganger theme. And there's also some nice homages to some horror classics so there's there's a scene where two twins have been killed in us and the way that they're lying is almost shot for shot the uh, scene from the shining just just a lot of fun and i just i i think jordan pill is is a fantastic director i know he's not necessarily directing it but i'm looking forward to seeing what he does with the Candyman remake as well well is it, even if you look at some of the key, key and peel sketches they're filmed like they're horror movies yeah so like the make-a-wish kid and um baby forest whitaker <laughs> <laughs> it's 
<laughs> yeah, no, it's brilliant. That's that's def- definitely on the list. Um, and then my last one from from the watch list is, I believe it was the first movie on on the list for the first of October, which is um, Cabin in the Woods. It airs on the side of it is a horror movie, but it's also a bit of a comedy as well. But I think it really is like the ultimate tribute to horror. It's massively meta. It's very self aware. It kind of calls out a lot of the horror movie tropes but, but with, I think... with, without being a parody of it yeah so i think I, I think a lot of people watch it thinking it's a parody of horror films and i would argue it really really isn't no i think i think it it really celebrates the genre i don't think it's deriding it in any way i feel like like joss whedon just had a lot of fun you can definitely feel some of the sort of buffy vibes to it as well and i think also that the scene where everyone escapes from the facility is just it's just great there's you know you're looking at so many different kind of characters and and monsters from horror over the ages that are all kind of (laughs) just out there destroying everything (laughs) and then also I, i liked how they tied it all together at the end how they did and i wasn't necessarily expecting that i think it's kind of it it feels like it's like a horror within a not so much a satire, but a, a homage to horror, but then within a horror as well. And yeah, I really love it. It's um, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, no, I, I love, I love Cabin in the Woods. That was, that was uh, voted very highly by the listener of the podcast. <laughs> the one listener. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, mum. Yeah. Oh god, so that that means dad doesn't listen to it. <laughs> On to mine then. So, um, and kind of like you said, I mean, I could, I could just randomly dart throw and pick films off this list and just say they're my top three. So whittling it down was quite difficult. But first up, I've gone for so Rec. So Rec is Spanish language found footage movie, uh, which is basically a zombie outbreak in an apartment block, and they send firefighters in. Uh, to kind of rescue people and see what's happening because they aren't sure what's going on. And it is so good. Like, I I think people have something against found footage films because they're so easy. Because it's such a cheap way to do a horror film, Yeah, you had a load of shit found footage films come out amongst <laughs> among if you if you're willing to wade through the shit there's some incredible films in there. And kind of Rec 1 and Rec 2 are kind of up there with not just the best found footage films, but like the best horror movies in general. So it's it's kind of a zombie film, but it's not. That's kind of revealed more in the second film. It's terrifying and it's it keeps you kind of on the, the edge of your seat the whole way. I don't think enough people have watched it because, again, it's a Spanish language found footage zombie movie. And that sounds like it's going to be shit. Yeah, yeah I'd recommend it. It's yeah, it's really good. And actually, like with the found footage point, it I, you're right. There are a lot of them, and a lot of them don't do it particularly well. I well, think there are, including Quarantine, which is the uh, <laughs> the US remake of Wreck, which is shit. Oh, I didn't realize they remade it. Um, it's got um, Dexter's sister in from uh, Dexter. But I can't actually remember her name. Oh, I thought you meant um, Dee Dee from Dexter's Laboratory. <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately not um but yeah i i think it's it's a good it's an interesting take on it because i don't know of any other found footage zombie movies and maybe i just haven't watched enough but it's not typically a genre 
that leans into like crossing over with the zombie genre it tends to more be like the horn Blair Witch paranormal activity those kind yeah, of films so so there's there's a couple but the, the the problem you have which kind of South Park perfectly kind of lampooned um, I've never used lampooned in context before that was great this is quite the moment <laughs> for me uh, South Park kind of perfectly summed it up in their um their episode for the giant guinea pigs so the problem with found footage films is explaining why people are filming the whole time. Yeah, yeah. And in Wreck, it is just like the shoulder-mounted camera that emergency services have. So, yes. So it perfectly makes sense. But yeah, it, it's a it's a great film. I could talk about it for a long time, so I will now just kind of move on to my <laughs> next kind of disgusting bit of gore, which is uh, Green Room. Green Room, I saw in the cinema um, when... Do you remember when Odeon used to do like the scream unseen things? Yes, yeah, yeah. The scene unseen for regular ones and scream yeah. unseen for horror movies. Yeah, so the idea yeah. was it was like five pound a ticket and they would give you clues to what the film was, but you didn't know what the film was. And the, one of the times we went, it was Green Room and people left. <laughs> it was so Green Room, uh, so it stars Anton Yelchin, who was kind of, he's. Not to, it's weird saying not to go bleak on a film, which is a, <laughs> on a podcast that's talking about horror movies. But he was he was an incredible actor who was kind of taken far far too soon. But again, that's a discussion for another day. Basically, it's about a punk band uh, traveling around the Pacific Northwest in America. They get a gig cancelled, and their friend hooks them up with kind of a random show in a bar. That bar turns out to be a neo-Nazi skinhead bar. They end up playing uh, Nazi punks fuck off by Napalm Death. They go down as well as you think they would. Uh, (laughs) They're about to leave. And then one of the band goes back to the green room because I think someone left their phone. And they find one of the biker gangs standing over a murdered body. Then they get locked in the green room. And it's basically them versus the Nazis. It's gory to the point it's uncomfortable. By that, I mean it's not overly gory. It's like very... A lot of horror films has kind of a bit of distance from it because everything's so cartoonish. Yeah, <laughs> like, the, like the absurdity takes you out of it a bit, right? Yeah, like Cabin in the Woods is arguably more gory than Green Room because there's a lot more blood, but it's done in such a over-the-top way that you're distracted from it. In Green Room, again, not to go into too much detail, but there is a scene with a box cutter that I really can't unsee anymore. <laughs> um, but it also stars, or at least features, so the the leader of kind of the the neo-Nazis, is played by Patrick Stewart. Obviously, obviously he's been a skinhead for quite some time. (laughs) But it's it's always fascinating seeing somebody that you're used to seeing playing, well, Picard and Shakespeare, really, playing someone so, like, calculatedly just evil. But yeah, it's an incredible film. And again, it's a, a film that I don't think enough people have watched and then next on my list which i i'm not going to be able to talk about for a long time because i absolutely loved this film but i could not tell you what happens so that's uh robert eggers's the lighthouse so it's about yeah <laughs> um, so it's basically it's uh it's obviously set in a lighthouse you've got robert patterson who i think we've talked about before as being like criminally underrated actor and Willem Dafoe and you never have any idea what's going on you can't tell if they're both going insane if one of them's going insane or yeah it's I I don't know how they do it but I've never 
it's been a long time since I felt that uncomfortable watching a film, but I couldn't quite tell you why. Like with a lot of stuff that kind of makes you feel gets like that visceral reaction from you. So like uh, the Nightingale, which I've talked about before, I could I could tell you exactly why that made me feel <laughs> like kind of uncomfortable. But the Lighthouse yeah. is just it does something kind of similar to what Midsummer did, where I don't know what was happening, but I really want it to stop. But I couldn't stop watching it. So it's definitely not for everyone because it's black and white. I think it's filmed on like 19th century cameras or at least like 19th century lenses in parts. And it's done. Uh, the aspect ratio is basically a square. So it's just shot like an old film. Nice. And it's fucking weird. And I think that's really, that's that's the sound bite there. Uh, the lighthouse is fucking weird. Um. <laughs> Unfortunately, this is coming out after they put all the movie posters together because that would have been ian harry's it's fucking weird would have probably landed on there somewhere well i hope not because that's also going to be the name of my autobiography <laughs> ian harry's is fucking weird it's going to be great <laughs> but yeah strongly recommend it i mean i'd recommend anything kind of robert eggers did he, he also did the witch which again no idea what happened <laughs> and he's got a film coming out soon uh, which is basically about Vikings, which I'm assuming is going to be incredible. Nice. But yeah, yeah, so I need that's to, my yeah, that's my, to watch that. my top three anyway. So that's that's six of the 31 movies uh, we've delved into. So I guess the most important top three, which is the ones that the listeners, not just the one listener, but the listeners uh, uh, voted for. Thanks for tuning um, in, Dad. <laughs> I guess we'll go reverse order. Yeah, let's go reverse order. Okay. Um, so kind of so number three is The Conjuring, uh, which, I mean, fair play, our listeners have taste. Yeah, it was, it's, it's, a good, it's a good film. I mean, it's, it's spun out an entire sort of horror universe. You've obviously got The Conjuring films, you've got the Annabelle films, you've got The Nun and The, the Curse of La Clarunia, I believe is how it's pronounced. I'm, I'm not going to try. Fun fact <laughs> about that movie. Um, so a cinema in Quebec, Quebec? Quebec, Canada, showed the Curse of La Lorogna to a theatre that was meant to be watching Detective Pikachu. <laughs> um, and I think they got about like a good chunk of the way into the movie before they moved everyone to a separate screen to show them the appropriate movie. But yeah, so there's definitely a, a bunch of kids in Canada that are scarred for life because they uh, didn't see. Oh, I'm, um, trying to, I'm trying to Pikachu. think what. When I was a kid, my dad took me to see Bambi. Instead, <laughs> right. instead of going into Bambi, we went into, like, I'm fairly sure it was like A Few Good Men or something like that. Um, Entirely on purpose, right? Knowing your dad. Probably. I'll, um, <laughs> let's see what dad has to say. Oh, I def, yeah, I definitely want to hear the, I, I definitely want to hear the drop in of, of your dad's explanation for that. <laughs> When Ian was about three, we went to the cinema in Clonetley in South Wales to see Bambi. Uh, there's about three separate parts to the cinema. We went in and sat down. I thought, oh, this is a very crowded cinema. Uh, there doesn't appear to be many children in here. Ian sat there excitedly eating his popcorn. Uh, we sat through the adverts, the Pearl and Dean, the usual rigmarole. And then up comes the film. It turns out it wasn't Bambi at all. It was uh, A Few Good Men, starring the immortal Tom Cruise. Uh, I realised, much to my embarrassment, I then got hold of Ian and uh, fought my way through the uh, packed seating. 
to the relevant uh, cinema to watch Bambi. After that, I gave up trying to uh, show him uh, films for children, and then we've moved on to Predator and uh, Aliens and uh, similar 1980s sci-fi horror genre. <laughs> but anyway, back to The Conjuring. Yeah, thanks, Dad. <laughs> Um, I think what I really liked about The Conjuring was it was kind of a return to like older style of horror movie. Mm -hmm. So it was very much kind of like haunted house. It didn't rely on jump scares. It just kind of built the creepiness over time. Yeah. And a nice kind of departure from the early 2000s, mid 2000s, that was all kind of a real focus on over the top gore and sort of torture porn with the yeah. Saw movies and stuff like that. Well, it's, it was directed by James Wan. So he did the original Saw film. Um, Which and is I, the best. Yeah, but it, it's also like, I think people, because of how many sequels there were and how much they kind of like changed the mythology of everything, I think people forget just how like good the first Saw film was because it was a lot more, it was a lot slower paced. It was a lot building things over time. It had like that incredible twist, but great twist, yeah. J- James Wan's got like an incredible career because I think he did Saw, he did Dead Silence, which is a fucked up horror movie about ventriloquist dummies, which are just scary. Like you could have a film that is an <laughs> hour and a half shot of a ventriloquist dummy and it still be a terrifying movie. I mean, Toy Story Four should have made it into this list, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then he did Insidious, The Conjuring, Insidious Two, and then obviously Fast and Furious Seven. so between all the horror movies he's done Fast and Furious 7 and Aquaman because of course but yeah The Conjuring's brilliant and we could talk about it for a long time but this is a mini-sode it is a mini-sode so So on to to number two number two which the listeners chose and that was Event Horizon Event Horizon is one of my favourite films and I'm gonna at some point I will clock how many times on this podcast I've said something as one of my favourite films, but Event Horizon <laughs> is definitely one of my favourite films. It's, it's really good. Yeah. I watched it for the first time quite recently. And again, one of the things I liked about it is it's just a bit of a different take on the genre again. I think we need more supernatural space horrors. Well, it's, it's basically a haunted house movie in space. Yeah. Like, really, if, if you really break it down, it is the event. So the Event Horizon's uh, spaceship. Um, that has it's one of my favorite descriptions of a film it's just it's basically uh they developed a new type of engine that meant the ship could basically travel through back holes and it disappeared and now it's come back but where has it come back from dun, dun, dun. <laughs> so they send sam neil and morpheus yeah and so i wasn't I, i'm not massively sure about if the science checks out or not but we'll we'll give them a pass on that i do think <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll go out on a limb and say no <laughs> <laughs> Well, you never know. I think Alan Grant needs to stick to dinosaurs. He has no chill in space whatsoever. Is that that that's the tagline for this film? Event Horizon. <laughs> there's no chill in space. <laughs> I think so. The the only thing the only thing that slightly let this down for me was that the CGI really does date it, but I think at the same time on the flip side there are some really good practical effects and prosthetics yeah, which make yeah, up. Yeah, definitely. It. It, it it's why kind of films like The Thing which again was kind of very highly rated on our list. Practical effects that are done well don't really age. I mean, I think the the ones in the thing. I think if if you're talking about a gold standard for practical effects, like the thing is, it absolutely holds up to this day. Oh yeah, and and I mean, and some of the stuff in Event Horizon as well. I mean, still holds up. But like you said, it's the uh, CGI was still relatively on, on the on what was relative, what was kind of a low budget 
90s sci-fi film, the CGI is not going to do you the, the world of favours in there. If Star Wars looks dated from then, Event Horizon is going to look dated from then. And I think as well, the I think they were, because it was quite new, they were doing bits with it that they didn't necessarily need yeah. to do, but they were kind of showcasing it. But look, this is this is a small niggly detail. Like the film itself is is really good. It was good fun, and it didn't make me want to claw my eyes out, which is always yeah. good. And not to go too political, but Sam Neill has an altered Australian flag on his arm. That's um doesn't include the Union Jack. So uh, read into that debate. So, Samuel uh, also has a winery as well, which I, I want to sample some of his uh, some of his wine. So number one on our kind of viewer voted list that also would have been number one on my list because I watch this literally every Halloween. Absolutely is, would have been yeah, on my list as well. Is Evil Dead 2. So Evil Dead 2, I mean, you don't really have to describe Evil Dead 2, do you? It's... Just it's so good. And again, speaking of kind of, it it looks low budget, but you're kind of with it on it <laughs> because you, you you know kind of what they went through. It was basically just friends in a wood making a film. Yeah, it's I don't think for, there's yeah. a huge amount to say here other than it's one of the best movies, let alone best horror movies yeah, of all yeah. time. <laughs> I mean, it's got Bruce Campbell, who is the best chin in Hollywood. I mean, let, let's be real here. It knows exactly what it is. It's stupid over the top. It's got stupid one-liners in. It features a man fighting his own hand. There's chainsaws. There's a work shed. I mean, what more do you really need from a Halloween movie? I also find the the, the other thing about it is it's kind of exactly the same as Evil Dead 1, but yeah. better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sam Raimi, excellent director. It's why I'm excited for... So he signed up to do Doctor Strange 2. Mm, I think that's going to be yeah. really... Doctor Strange was probably my least favourite of the Marvel films, which was upsetting because I love the character so much, but I think someone like Sam Raimi could really do a good job with that. Yeah, it's uh, ah, it's good. He also did um, Drag Me to Hell, which oh, was... I uh, love that film. Which was mentioned by a lot of people when we kind of put the list out into the world, so we'll keep that, that film on is a short list somewhere for next year great there's the whole thing with the old woman and like i can't remember exactly why but there's some kind of like is she like drooling or there's there's just a bit in it that makes me feel very uncomfortable and very disgusted yeah um, and then yeah I mean, yeah so evil dead 2 cartoon yeah. violence and uh and fighting the real number one film on this list uh, which is obviously Ari Aster's Midsummer. So, do we just leave it there? I don't know. We haven't mentioned this film yet, have we, on the pod? No, I don't think so. But yeah, I just, I just love. Well, actually, yeah. Let, let's let's peek behind the curtain, have we? We've mentioned this in every episode but one. <laughs> I, if everyone's here with us on this journey, you know it is basically now a running joke that we're recommending Midsummer, but. I can't stress enough how unironic that is. No, it's, it's... so great. Yeah, Graham and I saw this together, and I think once it finished, we sat in silence for the majority of the credits because neither of us could think of anything to say. Yeah, it... it's it's just it's one of those one of the best things about it. I think is one of those films that you just keep thinking about for a very long time after it stayed it. it stayed with me for weeks but i i could never put my finger on what was staying with me like it, it, it makes you feel so uncomfortable and it, it 
makes you feel uncomfortable from pretty much the outset and it just builds throughout and you can't even kind of there's nothing hiding in shadows or anything like that because it all takes part in like dazzling daylight yeah it's there's nothing quite like it i mean it's when people are i mean it's two and a half hours plus long i mean you say the director's cut was like over three hours the director's cuts uh moving towards three hours yeah i think it's an extra 20 minutes of footage or so um but yeah i I can't i can't stress enough how much you should watch midsummer and i mean it's this is a this is a quote that will be 100 percent taken out of context but it's a shame little women came out that year (laughs) <laughs> because I, I i think florence Pugh needed kind of recognition for this film but she deserved an oscar y- nomination yeah but she already had the one for yeah little women and that would work against you and the fact that outside of get out like the academy doesn't seem to particularly give horror movies the time of day no but florence Pugh in midsummer particularly during the opening sequence where without I, I won't go and see so what happens because I just think people need to watch it but she gets some she gets some news and she is absolutely bereft and the wailing and the like it's the most visceral crying that I think has ever been committed to film at least that I've seen like it is it's so believable another another that's a depressing top three list isn't it uh, but another film that jumps out for that is hereditary yeah with kind of tony collette in that it, it, it's ariasta is gonna make some incredible films for a long time and somebody needs to make sure he's okay well that was his that was the top question on his reddit ama was just yeah. ariasta are you okay and i think his reply <laughs> was no um uh, isn't he doing a comedy next though i think he's stepping away from horror for a while i'm i'm, I'm not sure we'll have to we'll have to look into it but yeah so that was our our first mini-sode so we're going to kind of make these a regular thing. So at the beginning of the month, we're going to throw out a watch list. At the end of the month, we're going to go through what you guys thought were the best films from there and what our best films were. So next month, so, well, I say next month, tomorrow we'll be releasing our Movember watch list. So that's films that just feature glorious facial hair. And we want your votes on... Well, I mean, it's are, are we going to say votes on best film or best beard? Oh, best beard. Let's go. Best, best beard. It's got to be best. Well, best beard or Tash because it's yeah. it's not solely beards. True. So, yeah. So we want your votes on uh, the best facial hair out of uh, out of that list, and obviously watch as many as you can because we wouldn't steer you wrong, which is why we've been recommending you Midsummer this whole time. <laughs> so if you if you agreed with our choices here or with your own choices here. Uh, you can find us on Instagram at the podcast nobody asked for, or on Twitter at nobody asked for pod with the number four. Nice. So we'll, uh, yeah, we'll see you Thursday. See you Thursday. Ugh, no one asked for this.